0: Wow, what a great song. You say I am loved when I can't feel a thing. That's a great song. Hey, listen, uh, Ben the notes said, Bulldogs won big Friday night. We knew that. and our some of our guys are right here. Let's give the Bulldogs a round of applause. Yeah. And I, I know I don't, I don't expect any applause, but, but anyway, Notre Dame won yesterday too. Thank you so much. There, there's one or two. All right. You know, again, uh, I think it's always unique that a, past, a Baptist pastor pulls for a Catholic school. But, hey, they did one. They played in Dublin, Ireland, 42-3, to three, and they beat Navy. Yeah, well, anyway. And then, and then I heard rumor that George Teagarden has a birthday today, okay? And I think he's like 86 years old. Where you at, George? Where you at? Right there, bud. Let's give him a round of applause. Yeah. <laughs> You know, when a woman turns 86 it's kind of like, well, yeah, you know, but when guys live that long, like it's a miracle. It really is. Oh, George, we're glad you're having your miracle today. And here we are. First of all, thank you so much for being here. Wonderful crowd, electric in the air. Uh, God's electricity's in the air. What a thrill to see these ones baptized. Good to see Brent up there dunking people again. Uh, that's awesome. Too. It's just a good day. It's a good day at George Bell. But anyway, so can you believe August is gone? Yeah, yeah, we done zoomed right through August. The uh, Baptist Hour is Friday. That's how I judge my life. I do the Baptist Hour on the first of the month, and uh, yeah. So August is gone. So gay, say goodbye to to the blue board. It'll be going, um, it'll be gone next week. All right. And we talked about our theme this month has been Ghostbusters: getting the ghost before they get you. And uh, again, the idea of being we have these things that haunt us in our life, and it's man, just like you're all through the worship service. You know, all things are possible with God. All things are possible. And no matter, listen, 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 no matter what it is that's haunting you today, may not have been a thing we touched on in the four messages that we brought this month, but something's haunting you, maybe your past, maybe your future, uh, maybe where you are in life, you know, no matter what it is, God is greater than than whatever haunts you. And today we want to talk about that each one of us, the the Jesus people, uh, let me just put it that way, the Jesus people in the crowd, and that's a chunk of us, I understand, you know, we are more than we think. Now it's not that you're, if you're not a Jesus person, it doesn't mean you're less than, but I want you to hear today, you can be so much more with God in your life. You know, God is not just a bunch of rules. You know, God is love and power and mercy in our lives. It's just incredible. And man, we are more than we think than we are. And that's the big message. That song that during the video where it says, I do. You know, often we don't feel love. We don't feel power. We don't feel acceptable. Um, Our past haunts us. Our mistakes haunt us. But God comes along and says, no, 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 no. You are more than you think you are. Now, last week, um, we talked about the idea of rejection. And it wasn't, you know, my intention was to say, well, this is how you handle rejection in your life. But then God didn't go that way. He rather had me spend the entire time talking about how his son was rejected so we could be accepted. I just love that. I've said it over and time. Last week so many times. This week, you know, he was rejected so that we could be accepted. You know, he's on the cross. He's sitting there in his agony. He cries out and says, My God, my God, my Father, my Father, why have you abandoned me? Why have you rejected me? Why have you forsaken me? And of course, the answer was, is so we could have salvation. We could have forgiveness of our sins. And, and in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and verse number 17, here's what it says. This means, right, you know, when we talk about being accepted, when we talk about accepted, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ, whoa, that is like so big. What does it mean to be accepted? What does it mean to belong to Christ? And this is so cool because, you know, the standard answer that you hear often is, oh, that means you go to church, Mm. you know, that means you're religious, Mm. you know, it means you started this and stopped that and it's none of those things to belong to christ to be accepted in christ simply means this we come to this point when we realize that we sinned and the bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of god every person has offended god in one way or another that's the problem and here comes jesus and jesus came to earth for one specific purpose and that was to die for us to pay the price for our sins so that we could have forgiveness i love the verse that says in corinthians 5 21 that says he became sin that we might become the righteousness of god is huge so so when we when we acknowledge that we've sinned and we believe that jesus was who he was you know who he said he was and then he did what he said he did and that was dying on a roman cross paying the price for our sins when we believe that and we're willing to turn from from our life our sin and choose to follow him that 's what it means to belong to christ it 's so cool because it has nothing to do with going to church or keeping rules or a giant scale any of that it has to do with faith. it has to do with believing in who Jesus is and believing in what he did for us so this means that anyone who belongs to Christ you know has become a new person. Wow! You know he doesn't. You know God is not in the remodeling business. He's not in the renovation business. Sometimes we'll take an old building and try to make it look new. That isn't what God does. God makes us a brand new person. The old life is gone, and a new life has begun. And let, let me tell you what God showed me this week. Why that's so cool. What's so big and so cool about that? You know, instantly we think about. You know, yeah, I know. If I if I receive Jesus, I need to stop doing some certain things. I need to start doing certain things. And that's kind of what we think this new life means. But have you ever thought about this way? That all of a sudden you become a... a, You have this new life with unlimited possibilities. Have you ever thought about the positive side of it? Not the rule-keeping side of it? Thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. And that's cool. But have you ever thought about the idea and the concept of the unlimited possibilities, when a person becomes a, a new creation, has a new life in God, of the unlimited possibilities that this is? Well, that's what we want to talk about today. We see a guy that's hiding in a wine press. We see an ordinary farmer's son, and God is going to call him to do something gigantic. Now, you probably need just a hair of background information. This, the sermon comes from, a, from the Judges chapter 6. It's a story about a guy named Gideon. Okay, and again, like I just told you, he's a farmer's son, ordinary guy, and we're going to talk about how God uses him. But you kind of need to know what's going on. And so I'm going to read to you, oh, it looks like about about nine verses, okay? So this comes from Judges chapter 6, verse number 1. The Israelites, God's people, the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. They kind of did that a lot, by the way. They had this problem about sin, okay? So the Lord, now listen here, listen, the Lord handed them over to to the Mennonites for seven years, okay? Now we're gonna talk about this, so don't get freaked out on God, okay? So, So, yeah, so because of their sin, God allows the Mennonites, and they were Israel's enemy, okay, to like have free reign. Uh, and, and harassing them and stealing from them and doing all these different things. You know? and, and now, again, keep in mind, God allowed this. God set it up, all right? And the Midianites were so cruel that the Israelites made hiding places for themselves in the mountains and caves and strongholds. So for seven years, they live in fear. For seven years, they're hiding places out because of the Midianites. Well, in verse number three, when the Israelites planted their crops... Marauders from Midian and Amalek and the people of the east would attack Israel. And this what I thought was really hard. Camping in the land and destroying the crops as far away as Gaza. So not only did they come, they didn't come to steal the crops. They came to destroy. These were bad people. They were bad people. And they came to destroy. In other words, you know, we don't want the crops. But Israel, we don't want you to have the crops. And this went on for seven years. So for seven years, it's like a famine, and it's a forced famine by the enemies of Israel. And they left the Israelites with nothing to eat, taking all the sheep and goats and cattle and donkeys. So they destroyed the crops and stole the livestock. Well, when they, this is verse 7, when they cried out to the Lord because of Midian, you kind of do that when people are stealing your food and you're hungry and stuff, you kind of call out to God. Okay, so when they cried out to the Lord because of Midian, the Lord sent a prophet. The Lord sent a preacher, a preacher to the Israelites. He said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. Now listen carefully, because this is going to play in the message in a minute. I brought you up out of slavery, Egypt. I rescued you from the Egyptians and from all who oppressed you. I drove out your enemies and gave you their land. And the Israelites are going, yeah, well, we we weren't alive then, but we heard the story. That's right. We know that story. And verse number 10 continues. I told you, I am the Lord your God. You must not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live. And guess what the last thing says? But you didn't listen to me. So because of their sin... They're in a mess. But we're going to talk about that in just a minute. So don't throw God under the bus yet in case you're there. Okay? All right? So that's the setup. That's what's going on. Let's see what God's going to do in a big way. Look at our teaching point. Okay? It was a hard time for the people of God. Ever had a hard time before? Ever kind of wanted to blame God for it? You may have reason to do that. Okay? It was hard times for the people of God. Because of sin, God allowed the Midianites to have free reign over Israel. Now, I'm going to tell you this right now. Often, when we, when we like, throw God under the bus and, and, you know, we don't need God kind of thing, and we start living like God doesn't even exist, even though we, we say we believe that, okay? What we do is we give Satan free reign in our lives. I mean, he comes and does this crazy stuff in our lives. And so if there's crazy junk in our lives, okay, it might be that, that again, Satan's just having free reign um, what's, with what's going on in your life. So here here comes Gideon. So in Judges chapter 6 and verse number 11, now keep in mind, this is a farmer's son. He's not a superhero. He doesn't have an Iron Man suit, doesn't wear a cape, doesn't fly through the sky, can't stop trains and bullets, okay? He's just an ordinary guy, okay? So the Bible says in the last part of verse number 11, I did that for time's sake, Gideon was threshing wheat and the wine press. Now, whoa, time. Now, I'm not a farmer, okay? I don't know a lot, okay? But here's what I know. You know, wine presses are for pressing wine, okay? And then you thrash wheat on a hillside up on the top where the wind can catch it. You throw it up in the air, the chaff is blown away, and the heavier grains fall back down the ground. But this says that Gideon, the farmer's son, Gideon was threshing wheat not on top of a hill, but in the wine press. And you say, Well, why is that? Well, he tells us, in order to hide it from the Mennonites. Okay? So so again, the Mennonites would come and st- you know, destroy the crops and steal the crops. Okay? And so in order to keep that from happening, Gideon is honkered down. You know, wine press would be in in you know, about three feet deep. Okay? So he's squatting down so no one sees him, and he's throwing this wheat up in the air. Okay? Hiding from the Mennonites, okay? Now, here's what we know. Our teaching point tells us this. You know, we got to understand, the purpose of God's discipline. Why, why does God allow hard things in our life? I mean, why would a good God, why would a good God allow hard things? Why doesn't God do something about all this? The purpose of God's discipline is not to punish us. It's not to, I know. And you, remember when you were a kid and you had to get like a, remember spankings? Yeah, well, that was still in vogue when I was a kid. Okay, my dad used to say, no, Dwayne, this is going to hurt me more than I hurt you. I never believed that. Am I the only one to never believe that? Yeah, I say, you could say that, Dad, but we all know that on this end it's more difficult. Well, the purpose of God's discipline is not to punish us, but to transform us and to redeem us. In other words, when, you know, when we sin and God does bring some difficulty in our life, he's not trying to hurt us. He's trying to transform us. He's trying to make us more like Jesus and trying to redeem us, trying us to bring back home. Now, that's not always true with earthly dads, but it's true with your heavenly dad. Okay? It's just true. Okay? And here's what uh, Revelation 3.19. This is the story of the church at Laodicea. And if you're a Bible person a little bit, you know there were seven churches in Revelation. And man, Laodicea was the lukewarm one. Okay? And here's what God said. I correct and discipline everyone I love. So Listen. God is consistent. God is consistent, okay? And so when he says, listen, I, I, I want you, I discipline you because I love you, you can believe that. The people of Israel were like so inconsistent, but God is always consistent. I correct every and discipline, discipline every person I love. Take this seriously and change the way you think and the way you act. So that was what was going on here. God is encouraging and asking Israel, hey, hey, turn away from what you're doing and turn back to me. Well, God sends a messenger. In verse number 12, in verse number 12, uh, then the angel of the Lord appeared to him. Now this is really cool and this is really important. Okay, now where's Gideon? He's in a wine press. So he's hunkered down, okay, underneath, throwing his grain into the air, hiding from the Midians. Where did the angel of the Lord come? Where he was. That this I love. This I love. No matter where you are, God will come where you are. No matter where you are, God will come where you are. See, you're thinking, God doesn't want me more. God doesn't love me anymore. I did this. I did that. God will ignore. No, 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 no. He will come where you are. You can't go far enough where God won't track you down like a bloodhound to love on you. That's such big news. You know, God gets so much bad rap because so many Christians see him as a lightning bolt thrower and not a, a God who sent his son to die on a Roman cross. Okay, so, so he comes to the wine press. All of a sudden, the wine press becomes, if you will, a cathedral. The wine, place, the wine press becomes a place where God and man meet just like just what church is supposed to be as we heard at the very beginning of the message so he said to him two things the Lord is with you mighty warrior now these are two things okay now again put yourself in these shoes these are these are two things one he didn't know and two he didn't believe been there before these are two things he doesn't know and he doesn't believe. First off, he did not know that God was with him because every circumstance in his life said God's not with us. I mean, everything said, you look around, the Midianites are still in the grain. You know, times are hard. His belly's hungry. You know, it's not good times and everything. His circumstance said the Lord's not with us. But guess what? He was. And I bet you've got some circumstances and your logic tells you, God is not with us. So the angel comes and assures Gideon, he is. And as the pastor speaker today, teacher, I want to assure you something. Not, not Dwayne saying it, but the word of God said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So God, if you're a Jesus person, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Didn't know it and didn't believe it. <laughs> you got the wrong guy. I'm a farmer's son. I'm a farmer's son, that's all I am. He didn't know it, and he didn't believe it. And so God comes along and tells him, listen, God comes along and tells him who he really is. There are people in this room, there are people on Facebook, and there are people on the radio right now who need to hear that truth. God will tell you, God will tell you who you really are. And Gideon was a minor, mighty warrior, he just didn't know it. And let me tell you something, in Jesus Christ, you are more than you thought you could ever be. In Jesus Christ, you are more than you thought you could ever be. Just like Gideon was a mighty warrior, in Christ Jesus, you are more than you can imagine. Your husband won't tell you, your wife won't tell you, your boss won't tell you, culture won't tell you, the neighborhood won't tell you, your parents won't tell you. Yeah, come on. You, you are more, I just sermon to house said, you are more than you could ever imagine in Christ Jesus. You are a mighty warrior. It was true for Gideon, but more importantly, it's true for us. Verse 13A says this. So Gideon said to him, Um, please, Lord, my Lord, um, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened? Oh, and that's a, that's a good question. Okay, why has all this happened? I don't know, you know, I've, I've, I've this, I like to weigh this situation out and imagine in my brain. Okay, now because we read the story before the story, you remember? You knew what was going on. Midian was doing this. And God had sent it for seven years. He sent the Midianites to, to have free reign over his life. We found out why. And then God sent a preacher. Then God sent a preacher and said, Hey, do you remember that God you know, brought you out of Egypt and all of that? You know, you know, God sent a preacher. Okay? So I'm figuring out, well, why is this question then? Please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened? I'm thinking maybe he skipped church that week. It must have been. Because again, keep in mind, the angel shows up, okay, the pre- I'm sorry, the preacher shows up and starts telling everybody this good message about, hey, you know, I want you to know something. Remember God, God's the one who got you out of Egypt, blah, blah, blah. Well, apparently he wasn't in church because he didn't get the message. Or maybe he was in church and wasn't listening. One or the other, one or the other, for some reason, he did not get the message because he asked this question. It's a great question. But he asked this question, why has all, have you ever done this before with God? It's okay. You know, if you're asked God, hey, God, why is all this happening? I've lived long enough to ask that question. You probably live long enough. Hey, you guys, you probably live long enough to ask that question. Why is this happening to me? Why is this going on? Why am I feeling the rejection? Why is this? Why are my mom and dad splitting? What's going on? You know, why of all this? And you ask the question, why has all this happened to me? And it's such a good question. You know, um, going to our teaching point up, you know, it's a decent question. It's a decent question with an obvious answer. Why? Why is all this happening? And again, the preacher had said why it was happening. The people had acted like sinners, okay, and not like saints, so often, things come into our lives because we're not living like saints. Rather, we're living like sinners. And when God's people start living like sinners, well, there are consequences. Again, not God throwing lightning bolts at you. Not God pulling his, his, his God belt and whipping. Not that at all. But he allows circumstances to come in to get our attention. Remember the story of the prodigal son? Proctor's son gets over there. He's got all this money. spends all of his money on partying. He's got nothing. And he's eating pigs. Are you eating with the pigs. Yeah, yeah. Why did all that happen? Because God was trying to get his attention. Okay, God was trying to get his attention. So the people acted like sinners and not saints. Now listen, this is good. And God simply acted like God, holy and just. You know, people. You know, have you figured out people are finicky? You know what? You know, I I it used to break my heart when my kids were smaller. You know, and, and and you know Sarah or, or Becca or Jim would come home and they got this long face. What's going on? Oh, so and so said she didn't want to be my friend anymore. You know, one minute you want know, him work kissy, kissy, huggy, huggy, and the next minute she won't be my friend anymore. People are so finicky. God never is. You can count on God to be consistent. You can count on God to be God every single time. Every, listen, if you're a Jesus follower, you need to know that. If you're not a Jesus follower and you're thinking about it, you need to know that. You need to know that God is someone who can be trusted. Why has all this happened? A decent question with an obvious answer. And then we get on 13 B. Where, and where, and where, and where, where, God, where are all the wonders? Where are all the wonders? Judy and I were talking this morning, and all of a sudden, out of her mouth, and I don't remember the exact words, but I remember the, the context of it, is that, you know you know gideon's going where are the wonders and they're all around us we were talking about in life in our lives listen 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 if you'll just look around god's doing stuff all the time if you'll just look around there are wonders everywhere i love that song you know when did we decide miracles went out of vogue when when all of a sudden did the god of the new testament become the god of 2023 and this god doesn't do miracles why are we so surprised when, when, when a person is healed or our marriage is healed? You know, what, you know, what, why do we stop believing in the God of miracles? He still does miracles. And listen, there are wonders all around us. Where are all his wonders? They're all around us. You saw, nine, you, saw, you saw nine miracles today. Nine people. Eight people committing their lives to Jesus Christ. One young man you know, rededicating his life. Yeah, yeah. What do you call those? Those are called miracles. And look around you. You see the people sitting by you. Every one of the person who's been touched by grace is a miracle of God. It's a miracle of God. And if you're here today and you have not trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, you're, <laughs> you're a miracle waiting to happen. You're a miracle waiting. You just ain't got born yet. You're just waiting. You're, you're, in, you're in gestation. You're waiting to be born again. It's incredible. incredible. We're all the wonders. Hey, again, they're all around. Uh, We're all the wonders that our ancestors told us about. Now, you gotta stop. You know, look, they said, hasn't the Lord brought us out of Egypt? That was what the preacher talked about. You didn't need... Hey, Gideon, you must have missed church that day. Gideon, you weren't listening. The preacher told us, Remember, God brought you out of Egypt. You didn't have to go back to your ancestors just last week in church. You know, the preacher said, Hey, you need to know, God has brought us out of Egypt. Now, listen to this. Two things again. But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to Midian. Well, he got it about half right. Okay? Number one. Had... God abandoned them. Let me answer that in three words. No, no, and no. No, no, and no. God had not abandoned them. He was just totally wrong. See, circumstance seemed to say He had abandoned them, but circumstances will lie. Circum- so if you're sitting here today and you're going, "I just feel like God you know, it's like abandoned me." It's not the nature or character of God, and God cannot violate His nature, na- nature or character. Okay, so no, no, and no. But he was right on the second one. He was wrong on the first one, right on the second. And handed us over to Midian. And boy, that's exactly right. That's exactly what happened. God handed over Israel to the Midianites for the purpose of redemption. It's just just a beautiful, beautiful thing. Look at our teaching point. Now, this is one of those things that preachers love to talk about. But it's easier to talk about than do. God has a purpose in all things. When the most difficult thing in your life is happening, God has a purpose. If God allows something to come into your life, He has a purpose. And I I, I do believe sometimes we see the purpose right away, sometimes we see it later, and we may not see the purpose until one day we're in heaven. But we will see the purpose. God has a purpose in everything. Sometimes it hurts. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? It hurts. Sometimes it's hard. A lot of times it's hard. Yeah, that's true. But in the end, here it is it's all for our good and His glory. Ultimately, as God allows these things, boy, this is so good. Ultimately, when God allows this stuff into our lives, it is for our good. And to bring him glory. Now here's the deal. You gotta believe that. You got to believe that. See, see, faith, you know, faith allows for questions. Faith allows for questions, but doesn't require an answer. You know, we are people of faith. We walk by faith. You know, without faith it's impossible to please God. So so yeah, faith allows for questions, but never requires an answer. Sometimes God won't show us the answer. And that's why you just have to believe. You have to believe. In the end, it's all for our good and His glory. Never, never, never stop trusting God and believing in His plan. That's why they call it faith. So, so you've got this character of God who never will abandon us, will never uh, leave us. Okay? So we've got to believe. We've got to keep trusting God and keep working on His plan. Well... That gets us to verse 14, which I think today was the eye-opener for me. And it happened this morning. It happened this morning. I'm sitting in my chair, and it's happened. Okay? So I'm studying the sermon, and and I read this verse. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have, and deliver Israel from the grasp of Midian. I am sending you. Well, first off, the first thing that popped in my brain, y'all remember the story about faith of a mustard seed? Do you understand that's not about how much faith you have? It's about the kind of faith. See, what makes it possible for that little mustard seed to grow into a giant bush and tree is the DNA of the seed. That little seed could have all the faith it wanted and it wanted to be an oak tree, and it wouldn't have been an oak tree. It would have been a mustard tree, a mustard tree. So it's the DNA. So our faith, the DNA of our faith has to be trusting God for his will to be done, his will to be done. So, so when I saw this, you know, the Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have. I, the part of my brain was mustard seed strength. In other words, strength to do for a specific purpose. Just like, you know, mustard seed has has DNA to produce another mustard tree, okay, so our strength is enough to do a certain purpose. Well, what's the purpose? The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have, here's the purpose, and deliver Israel from the grasp of Midian. So, Here's what God tells Midian. Midian, your strength is enough. Your strength is enough. Go in the strength you have for one purpose. What's the purpose, Lord? You're going to deliver Israel from the grasp of Midian. Really? Is that? Yeah. Yeah. And it's enough because that's what I want you to do. And here's what it says. Last part. I am sending you. Okay. Here's the big deal. If you're, if you're a no taker, this is your point. This is it. This is, this is worth the price you know, to come to church today. Whatever you gave up to come, this is worth it right here. Three things. Three things. Take what you got. Do what God tells you to do. I am with you. That's it. That's how we live life. That's how the Jesus people do life. Take what you got. Do what God tells you to do. I'm with you. Now, now if you take take what you got and try to do what you want to do, it ain't going to work so good. It ain't going to work so good when we take what we got and do what God calls us to do, he promises to be with us. And guess what? It is enough. It is enough. I love this. I love this. So listen. He says, I am sending you. So, so our teaching point says this. Within. Go ahead there. Thank you. Within his will and with him at our side. Now we have circle. If you're no taker, circle within his will. Because again, keep in mind, our strength is enough. Okay. When we're within his will. We've we got this idea. We turn, we turn God into a Santa Claus or the Easter Bunny or a soda machine or Cupid. And we say, okay, God, you know, I'm your kid, so I, you've got to do whatever I tell you to do. Where did you get that from? You know, we have sold some kind of a gospel deal in America that's just not true. Okay? It's within His will. And then with Him at our side, literally all things are possible. I believe that. I believe that when I am following the will of God, nothing is impossible. When I'm following Dwayne's will, nothing is possible. Did you just get that? Yeah, when we follow God's will, anything is possible. When we follow Dwayne's will, nothing is. Charles Spurgeon tells it like this, God is with us and his power is around us. God is with us and his power is around us. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So Dwayne, Dwayne, you're telling me I'm more than I think I am. That is so true. God said so. I don't have to say it. God said it about you. You are. How much are you worth? A Roman cross. How much are you worth? A Roman cross. You know, people say something is worth whatever people are willing to pay for it. God was willing to give his son to a Roman cross because you are worth it. You are worth it. God is with us. His power surrounds us. You're worth more. God is with you. God will not desert you. Well, verse 15. He said to him, Please, Lord. You know, Gideon was very polite. Please, Lord, how can I deliver Israel? You know, it's like, you know, Hey, hey God, hey, Mr. Angel, messenger guy. So do you know who I am? Do you know where I am? And do you know what I'm doing? Do you know who I am? I am a farmer's son. I don't have a degree. I don't have a job. I work for my dad. You know, I'm, I'm in this wine. Do you know where I am? I'm in a wine press where I should be brushing grapes. Instead, I'm chafing wheat because I'm afraid of the Midianites. Do you, do you know who I am? you know where I am? And you know what I am doing? I'm hiding from the Mennonites. You know all that. Please, Lord, how can I deliver Israel? Look, my family is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the youngest in my father's family. Wait, God, you don't know my lineage. You don't know my heritage. You don't know my past. God, how could I? See, that's what culture tells you. You can never be more than you are because that's their opinion. Big news flash, their opinion don't matter. squat God's opinion of you is all that matters. And listen, you can be everything God's called you to be. You can be everything God has called you to be. Well, he goes on and says this. I'm the youngest of this. All right, look at our teaching point. The greatest prison, OK, and we all we've all probably spent time here your pastor regularly checks in. All of us have spent time here, your pastor regularly checks in because I worry too much about what you think. Okay? Just being honest. The greatest prison preachers and people live in is the fear of what other people think. Man, the day of freedom comes when we understand it simply doesn't matter what others think about you. It matters what God thinks about you. That's what I'm saying. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Look here. God's opinion is the only, only, only one that matters. It's time for jailbreak. It's time to break away prison. Hey, Gideon says, hey, you don't understand. You know, my family is, is the weakest. My family's the weakest. And all the 12 tribes, yeah, the tribe of Manasseh is the weakest tribe. And all only that, we're the weakest family. In fact, did you know something, Mr. Angel, sir? I'm the baby of the family, which I think is a grand thing. However, it does mean that you're often down culture, you're looked down upon. You know, like David was. David, David, when they were calling the new you know, for the new king, David wasn't even invited to the party. His dad left him in the field. Hurtful. Can somebody say hurtful? You know? So so and said, don't you understand I'm the youngest. No one cares about me. It's time for a jailbreak. Well, this week I was reading one of my devotions. It was so good I sent it to a couple of my family folks. And then I also sent it to Judy. I sent it to me and I read it again and again. And then I realized God gave it to me for a purpose. Because see, there are people in this room, there are people in this room, and you're haunted by your past. You're haunted by your family. You are convinced because of your family, you can never be what it was. You know, maybe your dad, maybe your mom, maybe your sibling, maybe this, maybe that, maybe where you're raised, maybe you're, I hear people sometimes say, Well, you know, I was raised in the projects. So. So doesn't matter. So we're haunted by. Look what Max Locato says. This is this is so so good. Your family most likely has some difficult chapters. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You you may have a cousin Eddie or two if you've ever watched uh, Lampoon's Christmas. You know you may have some weird uncles. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Your family most likely has some difficult chapters. There may be some. You know, you know, Jamal talked about prison time, you know. Um, Bobby Lee talked about prison time. You know, maybe there's some drug addiction going on. Uh, maybe there's some, you know, some other things going on, okay? Your family most likely has some difficult chapters. Now, this is so good, but your history doesn't have to be your future. Yeah, isn't that good? I didn't say it, but boy, I wish I had, okay? But your history doesn't have to be your future, the generational garbage. And there are families in this room, and families on Facebook, and families on the radio, and your neighborhood that have generational garbage. Well, it can stop here, and it can stop now. And listen, you may not be able to pull off on your own, but all things are possible with God. All things are possible with God. He said so, and He never lies. The generational garbage can stop here, and now, you know, oh, this is so good. You don't have to give your family, your current family, the family you have now, what your ancestors gave you. Wow. Wow, this is so freeing. And so I, I almost feel the, the hung, handcuffs coming off hands. I, I can see, I can hear change breaking today. You, know, you don't have to give your family what was handed you. How incredibly powerful that is. Paul wrestled with this. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 9 and 10. Here's Paul. Remember Paul, the apostle Paul. For I am the least, he said, of the apostles. In fact, he said, I'm not worthy to be called an apostle. This is the apostle Paul. Remember the guy who wrote 1 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, all that? Yeah, yeah. For I am the least of the apostles, not worthy to be called an apostle. Why? Why? Because I persecuted the church of God. His job before he became an apostle was hurting Christians. He was a Jesus hating, people who followed Jesus hating man. And his best day was when he put Christians in jail or had them killed. That's his good day. He couldn't wait to go to work. Put them in jail, have them killed. I persecuted the church of God. Got some baggage? Got some baggage? Yeah. yeah. Got, got some. Got a past? Yeah. Yeah. Got a charge sheet? You know what a charge sheet is, don't you? Yeah, you know, that's what you. When you get to jail, this is what they charge you with. You got a charge sheet? Yeah. 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 He did. But look what it says. But by the what? Yeah. By the grace of God. I am what I am. See, his past wasn't dictating who he was. And some of you here today, or some of you on Facebook, or some of you on the radio, you're laying your past, dictate who you are today. Be set free in the name of Jesus. Be set free in the name of Jesus. By the grace of God, I am what I am. And by the way, his grace toward me was not in vain. In other words, it was sufficient. It was sufficient. So, our teaching point is this. This is one of those quotes that's pretty profound. You know, when a person, when a Jesus follower, or even a person, you know, when when they don't buy the truth, they live a lie. This is where they end up, especially a Jesus follower. The person with the discontented and unsettled heart believes that everything he does for God is too much, and everything God does for him is too little. Does that describe your life? Does that describe your faith walk? I hope not. But if it does, God wants to set you free. In Judges chapter 6, verse 15, we're done. The angel says one more time, I will be with you. I will be with you. The Lord said to him, now watch, 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 watch. If things go right, you will strike down Midian. If, 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 If the star... If the stars align, you're going to strike down Midian. No, what does it say? You will. You will. You will. See what I meant? The new life is a life of unlimited possibilities. Take God out of the Gideon equation. He's a farm boy who can't do nothing. Put God in the equation, and he has unlimited possibilities. You will strike Midian down as if it were one man. Because he's going with what he has, okay? He's doing what God called him to do, and God was with him, and God was with him. I want to close with a quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and you say, who in the world is Dietrich Bonhoeffer? He was a preacher, okay? But more importantly, he was a preacher during the Nazi reign in Germany. In fact, he was executed by the Nazis, even though he's a German He was executed by the Nazis. And here's what he said. And you need to hear this. God does not give us everything we want. You just need to know that. This prosperity gospel thing, I don't know where they dreamed it up. It's not in the Bible. Okay, it's not what Jesus sells. God does not give us everything we want, but he does fulfill his promises. He does fulfill his promises. Leading us along the best and straightest paths to himself. God allows things to come into our life so he can lead us to himself. So you are more, Jesus followers, you are more than you think you are. You are blood bought, you're a child of God, and you are living in the life of unlimited possibilities. And if you are here and you're not a Jesus person yet, and keep in mind, let me go back, I'm not talking about religion or joining a church or being a Baptist or joining Doorsville. I'm talking about if you'll put your faith and trust in the man who died on the cross, Jesus Christ, believing who he was and what he did, and you're willing to turn from your sin. Okay, you too will have that life of unlimited possibilities. It doesn't mean you'll get everything you want, but it does mean that you have a prom—you have a promise-keeping God. You have a promise-keeping God who will lead you the straightest path to Himself. And, we're ready to have our invitation time. Brother Brent will be standing down front. The altar is open for us to come and pray. Maybe somebody you want to pray for today. Maybe you need prayer and you just like to come and pray. And we have some folks who will pray with you if you want that. Team's got a great song um, lined up for us. But this is what it's all about. It comes down to the conclusion. What are we going to do with the truth we heard? What are we going to do with the truth that we heard? That's when lives are changed. Would you pray with me? Hey, Father, thank you so very much for the privilege of sharing these great truths today. Father, thank you just like you used Gideon, you can use us. And we are so thankful for that. I pray, Father, for my friend here today or perhaps on Facebook who has never made this commitment yet. They're just waiting to be born again. May today be that day. God, will you call them to yourself and allow them to become part of your family. Let them become that person of unlimited possibilities. And then, Father, for the Jesus followers in the room and on Facebook and perhaps still on the radio, and, Father, we ask in Jesus' name, help us, Lord. Help us to believe. Father, help us to realize our unlimited possibility in you, that you want to use us to do impossible things. And with you, all things are possible. And, Jesus, I pray this in your precious name. Amen.